you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, there you go. If you need a tune-up, stay with us. If you need a complete overhaul, you know I did a little car trading this week. If you've been listening along, you know I kind of enjoy that. I enjoy the hunt. I guess I'm like a dog chasing a car. Well, that that's me. That is me. I'm chasing a car. Well, I enjoy that particular process. Some people dread it. I enjoy the thrill of the process. Finding something that I want, then I have... Drove a car into CarMax this week and just said, what do you give me for it? They told me and I said, here's the keys. Couldn't believe it. I've heard about people doing that, but I, I usually sell things on Craigslist and eBay and places like that. But uh, just drove in there and I thought it was very reasonable. And um, so I, I did that. That was a new experience. Anyway, I do a lot of interesting things other than just help people in their careers in as much as I talk about work being a very important part of our lives, and it is, that's what we're going to talk about here on 48 Days Online Radio. That's what we talk about each week. But in as much as I talk about work being an important part of our lives, it is just one tool for a successful life. I don't want to ever be accused of making work the only thing important in our lives or even the center of our lives. I mean, I hear about people saying, gee, I'm out of work. I hear there's a job in Seattle or Houston. I guess I'll go there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, is that where you want to live? If it is, that's, that's cool. Go do that. But don't move across the country, pull your wife and kids out of where they are and where they want to be just because you're chasing a job. There's too many opportunities to do that. Now, it may seem easy for me to say that, but there really are. I mean, you need to first plan what kind of a life you want, then find work that embraces the kind of life that you want. I know, yes, this is the, the U.S. of A, where we're expected to do that exactly in the opposite faction. Find a job, and then you make your life work around that. You just suck it up. You live in the middle of North Dakota because that's where you found a job. Yeah, you're freezing your fanny off. But that's where you found a job. Well, that's a tough way to make your life work. Now, again, if you want to be a surfing instructor and you really have family and roots in Paducah, Kentucky, that's going to be a challenge, granted. But for most things, you're going to be able to find opportunities. The key is how you're looking for opportunities. The key is not just going where there's an open door. Just wrote a blog on that this week. A lot of people operate their life based on the open door philosophy. A lot of people confuse even thinking that it must be God's will if it's an open door. Well, no, no, come on. Give me a break. I mean, if I'm down and out and you tell me, gee, there's a job as a bartender at Hooters. You can make 800 bucks a week. Am I supposed to think, well, that must be God's will for me? Well, no, in that example, there's probably some clear indicators for me that that is not a fit. That's not God. That's just an open door. If you operate your life just based on the open door principle, you can file open doors right into a rat's nest. You have to establish priorities and then you're not deterred by circumstances, obstacles, or open doors. But don't ever confuse open doors with right direction. 
Well, hey, let me swing back around here. Don't know what got me started on that, but we'll swing back around here. This is Dan Meller. This is 48 Days Online Radio, where each week we take your questions, listener questions, unpack them, and figure out how to make life and work more meaningful. We know that work is not just an exchange of time for a paycheck. Work is our best opportunity to live out our calling and to create the legacy we want to leave behind. What we're going to have as a theme today, don't bother me, I'm busy. I'll tell you why in a little bit. Here's some of the questions we'll be answering in today's broadcast. Dan, I'm going crazy. I'm sick with anxiety and worry over my total debt of $26,000. Should I change my job? And he describes what he's doing. We'll look at that with him. Dan, can you recommend any websites or print resources that offer examples of introduction letters? I talk about introduction letters as being a precursor to cover letter and resume in 48 days. Yeah, I'll tell you how you can get examples of that. Dan, I thought about creating an introverts group, but didn't think anyone else would join. That's hilarious. Guy's an introvert, knows that it's hard for him to move into social situations and figures if he had a group, nobody, none, no other people like him would join. Well, I think you're probably right. How do you handle errors and omissions insurance for coaching? Do you have to do live seminars to make a good living as a coach? I don't do well with large audiences. If you're not to the level of being where you would like to be with your own life and business, how do you have credibility for being a coach for someone else? Wow. Great question. You see that some of the questions today are going to deal with coaching. I've actually had a lot of questions submitted recently about coaching because of our upcoming coaching with excellence live event here at the sanctuary. And so I am going to be spending some time in today's broadcast talking about those questions, but now those relate to anything you're doing. If you're in a leadership position, if you're a manager, supervisor, boss, entrepreneur, whatever, the same issues that have to do with effective coaching will affect you as well. So stay with us on that. Now, if you've got a question, you can go to the podcast link at 48days.com. Leave your question there. I'd be happy to entertain that for an upcoming show. Here's our, our quotation for the day. It actually comes out of the Bible. And, and I'll tell you why. In Nehemiah 6, 3. Now, here's the setup. And this has to do with don't bother me, I'm busy. Here's the setup. Nehemiah was building the wall around Jerusalem. And he kept having people on his time. He was a leader. He was much more visible. I mean, friends, relatives, neighbors, and enemies all wanted to get a piece of his time. And here's what he said in in response to one of these requests. I was listening to an Andy Stanley leadership podcast earlier this week, and he referenced this scripture and it really jumped out at me. But here's what Nehemiah said when somebody was trying to get his time. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Isn't that a great response? And I thought, man, I need to learn how to use that. I get so many requests for my time. There's so many things that seem to be interruptions for us. We have to be very intentional about our time or all of a sudden we'll feel overwhelmed and things just get away from us. What do you do to control the interruptions in your life? Now I had some people respond to this when I did a blog and um, Jeff from Phoenix said that he teaches time management, teaches people how to manage They're 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week. And one of the key things to do is to manage interruptions. He says, if you don't control it, it'll control you. One way is to not be available for chunks of time. So you can work on your project assignment or process. 
one of the things he suggests and one of the things that was a major piece for me in controlling interruptions was turn off the automatic alarm when an email arrives. I mean, I get a whole lot of emails every day. I turn that off. I don't have automatic emails even load in about three times a day. I just simply go load them and then I scan the hundred that have just come in, deal with those quickly. But I do not have those coming in all the time. Ding, 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 ding. While I'm working on a project, the one key that has been the best for me in increasing my productivity exponentially was to have focused uninterrupted blocks of time. Now that means when I'm working on something, I don't have a phone in my office. I don't have emails coming in. I'm not getting text tweets, nothing, none of those things interrupt interrupting me. I work in seclusion, so I don't have office workers around, which I totally, totally love when I see some environments that people work in, I think, oh my gosh, every 30 seconds, somebody's walking by, tapping you on the shoulder. You know, people are going to get a drink, going to the break room, going to the restroom, and they just kind of swing by. There's ambient noise all the time. There's conversations going on, 30 of them in the room. thinking, oh my goodness, how do you people work? How do you get anything done in here? Now for me, I just simply control that environment so I do not have to contend with that. Well, I mentioned the coaching with excellence event coming up. That's May the 24th and 25th here at the sanctuary. We've got perhaps a bigger group than ever coming this time. Be delighted to talk to you about that. If you want to turn your giving advice, counseling, helping, nurturing, listening to people into legitimate professional coaching for which you're paid, come join us. We'll show you how to do that, how to do that very quickly and how to position yourself in a way that does generate money and position you as a professional. The other event we got coming up is the Chick-fil-A leader cast. I talked about this last week, I believe, but on May the 4th is the leader cast. Now that's going to be taking place live in Atlanta and there they're going to have speakers like Soledad O'Brien, Tim Tebow, Marcus Buckingham, John Maxwell, Urban Meyer. He's the Ohio state football coach, Andy Stanley, I'm already mentioned you can um, you can go to Atlanta, but you can also come to Franklin, Tennessee, come to Franklin. We're going to have a blast with this event. It's going to be at the factory. It's an old converted mattress factory, but it's a real hippie upscale kind of venue where there's lots and lots of shops and local merchants that are in there refurbished by Kelvin Lehu, a local entrepreneur who has a real interesting life story himself, just a really innovative, creative guy, big thinking guy. And he developed a factory, but it, th- this event is going to be there. The leader cast simulcast. So you'll be looking at these people that I just mentioned on a big screen, but then we're going to have breaks. And during the breaks, we're going to do lots of fun things. We're going to be giving away 48 days products during all the breaks. We're going to have some a major giveaway drawings during the day and during lunch I'm going to do a brief presentation on the power of a mastermind group how can you use a mastermind group to exponentially increase your own level of success I'll give you some examples of things that I've done with mastermind groups and we're going to give you a free again if you're there we're going to give you a free manifesto it's a product that we have on our website but you get that free if you come there we're also giving you everybody a free copy of the rudder of the day 
And I think some other things that we're giving out just to everybody who attends the LeaderCast there. Just go to LeaderCastNashville.com and you'll see details on that, how to register for the one here in Franklin, Tennessee. I'd love to meet you there. Well, Dan, Dan or Sylvia says, Dan, thanks for answering my question. What do you do with your excess books and programs that you have? I think I talked about the fact that I go through lots of books, have lots of books sent to me. So I go through them and some I keep and many I just put on shelves in the event area of our sanctuary here. So that when people come for live events, they have free access to those. They can just take anything they want free. We just, I just recycle them, but put them in the hands of people that I know are high achievers already. And they just take those. Anyway, she commented on that. Also, Sylvia says, I love the interview with Clara. When I met her about three years ago, she had just started walking. (laughs) All right. Sounds like she's been listening to her grandpa and is really blossoming. Well, yes, my little granddaughters are growing up very quickly. It's amazing to watch these little people develop with their unique personalities and their very specific likes and dislikes. I love the fact that they're so clear on what's right, wrong, good, bad, what they want to do, what their dreams are, what they're going to be when they grow up. You know, then then it gets kind of muddied. You know, I'm working with a client right now who's 52 years old and all of a sudden, Everything that she thought she understood when she was a little girl is very muddy. It's very unclear. Circumstances have kind of intervened. Life kind of happened. We know how that works. And sometimes we need to clean the slate, peel the onion back again, go back. So we get the clarity that we had as a little girl, like my granddaughter Clara has. We talk about when she comes through our, when she spends the day at our house, our house has been clarified now, it actually is the opposite of that meaning because when she's been there, you see her handprint on everything there. Things are out of place. Things are everywhere. All her creativity is exposed. But we just say, well, our house has been clarified. Okay. Jean from Indianapolis says, heard you talk about sending letters of introduction to prospective employers and customers. I don't have a sales background. and would like to see some concrete examples of introduction letters. Can you recommend any website or print resources that offer examples. The easiest thing that I have are examples that I have in 48 days to the work you love. If you have that book, you'll find in the back, in the appendix, examples of introduction letters. Now, the reason I use those is because marketing yourself, getting a job, getting your job is just like selling a product. You are selling a product and that product is you. And the more that you see it in that fashion, the more quickly you will have success. This is not about just seeing who needs somebody. No, you're selling a product and that product is you. So we use marketing principles to do that. And we know that if you expose me to a John Deere lawnmower three times, my response to that is going to go up dramatically three times. That's kind of a magic key, kind of an initial thing. Salespeople know that most people are exposed to something five to seven times before they make a buying purchase. So we want to at least get three times that you want to have exposure to a potential employer. So the first thing in there is an introduction letter. It requires nothing of the recipient, but it simply says, look, this is who I am. These are my skills. These are the things I'm exploring. I know something about your company. I think there'd be a good match in my skills. What I bring is value to the table and what you're trying to accomplish. Expect my cover letter and resume in the next four or five days. That's all it says, but it starts to create in marketing what we call top of mind positioning. 
So when they get that, then they think, oh, yeah, Sylvia, I remember that name, unusual name. I remember getting that note. So you start to create that repetitive process that gets you in top of mind positioning. That's what an introduction letter is intended for. Now, if you, if you don't have that, I don't mind at all sending you some examples of that. If you sent, just send a note to, to customer service and say that Dan said, send customer service at 48days.com and just say, Dan said, send samples of introduction letters. My team will be happy to do that for you. Josh says, Dan, I'm a very high C on the disc with nominal S and D and very low I. I'm the lead of a precision grind shop and have trouble motivating the guys I work with who tend to be high I's. Do you have any books or websites you can recommend to learn more about personality styles and how to relate? The profile I purchased was helpful, but I would like to dive deeper into the subject as I find it intriguing. I believe my style is probably the leading cause of why I've struggled getting plugged into the 48 days community, but want to change that as well. I thought about creating an introverts group, but didn't think any of us would join. Thanks for your help. Well, Josh, I can appreciate where you are. Now, this is, let me just kind of uh, expose you a little bit here. Uh, Please don't feel that I'm picking on you. I'm not. But the fact that you're a high C, I would expect that to be your profile based only on the fact that you are wanting deeper information about the personality styles. See, somebody who's a high deer and I said, oh man, that's cool. Yeah, that's how I am. Rock and roll. Next. But somebody who is used to digging deeper, finding why things work, finding logical solutions, wants more information. And that's perfectly fine. We have lots of information. I give more information in the profile. If you've taken our profile, I give way more information in there than what I think is necessary for myself. But I do that to give people more information. And we have way more than that. If you email Ashley, my daughter, Ashley at 48days.com. Now it's just Ashley at 48days.com. It's not my daughter, Ashley, but anyway, Ashley at 48days.com and ask her for the deeper information, the reliability and validity studies and things that we have on the profiles. She can send you a document that will give you lots and lots of information on that. And you're certainly welcome to that. Now, you are listening to Dan Miller and 48 Days Online Radio, where each week we take your questions and unpack them, try to find ways we can all be more successful, fulfilled, and profitable in our work as we find or create work that's meaningful, productive, and profitable. If you got a question, just go to the 48days.com link, find the podcast link there, and you can submit your question. Be happy to entertain that for an upcoming show. Michael from Alberta, Canada says, Dan, I'm going crazy. I'm sick with anxiety and worry over my total debt of about $26,000. I took a full-time sales position for the computer shop. I work in for a rural town because I was sick of sitting in retail doing nothing all day. April has been my first month and I'm just cutting my teeth and selling. I'm also going through starting a business with Terry on your forums, apparently uh, probably Terry justice on the 48 days.net. 
community. I wish I could spend more time on that business. The reason I'm so sick is I don't like my boss now, but I depend on him for income. Since I've started working for him, he has dodged customers. He ignores when someone tells him there's a problem or concern. Then he lectures when that problem blows up. All I owe is a measly 26,000 and I want out from under his thumb. What do you suggest? Michael, here's what I suggest. If you, you describe that you've taken a full-time sales position in this company. Selling is the quickest path to getting rid of your $26,000 that there is. So I commend you on doing that. If you have the ability to sell, there's nothing that can more quickly get you to a high income than selling. Now, ultimately, I mean, that's what we have to do. You start your own business. Sure. You have time, freedom, flexibility, more time with your family and all that, but you have the opportunity to sell and that's, what's going to make you successful. And of course the lack thereof will be your demise. So we know that. So selling is a great key. I mean, $26,000. I mean, my gosh, if you could knock out another $2,000 a month doing something, I mean, I don't know what kind of margins you've got in the material that you're selling now, the computer supplies and things you're selling, but another $2,000 a month may not be unrealistic. If you can ramp up your income just that much, obviously in a year, that $26,000 will be gone. So use your selling skills to get rid of that. Now, here's another thing though, that I want to mention. And oftentimes I hear people talk about, I only have, you know, $26,000 in debt and I'm going to just stay here in this lousy job where I'm making $10 an hour until I get that knocked out. Then I'm going to go into business for myself. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is totally backward. This is totally wrong. If you are going to go into business for yourself, certainly I trust your expectations are that you're going to double, triple and quadruple your income. If you really believe that, why would you wait? Isn't that the quickest way, in fact, to then knock out your debt? Do I think it's responsible to stay in something you hate and it's low pay until you have all your debt gone before you go into business for yourself? No, I think you're wasting time. I think you're dragging this painful process out dramatically. So if you've got an idea about something you can do, go ahead and start. That ought to be your quickest tool to go ahead and increase your income so you can not only duplicate what you were making previously, but knock out pre-existing debt if you have that and start your goals toward financial freedom. So yeah, use your selling skills. And if you've got an opportunity in what you're doing now to increase your income, then fantastic. Stay there, rock and roll, get out there and sell. So you increase your commissions dramatically so you can get that taken care of quickly. This one comes from, um, okay, listen to this. Dan, I think I'm surrounded by left brain people. Now, if you know the difference between left brain, right brain, left brain is the logical, analytical, detailed systems, methods, operations side of our brain. Now we have been brainwashed in the last 10 or 20 years in thinking that that's where all the best opportunities are. Computer programming, financial analysis, software development. I mean, those are left brain kind of skills. So you need to be an accountant, an engineer, an architect, a physician, a radiologist. Those are all left brain focused kind of careers. 
So we've had a lot of emphasis on that. Guess what? There is a pendulum swing where we are now seeing right brain skills embraced, right brain skills being more creative, innovative, empathetic, those kind of skills. There is a, there's a book written a couple of years ago, Daniel Pink, Daniel wrote a endorsement for one of my books. I think it was no more Mondays, but he wrote a book, a whole new mind. That's a great resource for understanding this shift from left brain to right brain opportunities. I wrote a piece here a couple of months ago titled dreamers, thinkers, and peacemakers. And I, I was writing about this very thing, how we're seeing more opportunities for right brain skills. You may know that you have an affinity for art or for music or writing. I mean, those, those are right brain skills. If you do, you may be amazed at the opportunities that are exploding for those things. Now, here's another interesting irony. In as much as we've been telling people, no, you've got to be in, in left brain skills. You've got to be using those logical skills, those detail and analytical kind of skills in programming, computer skills. Those are the things where the opportunities are. Hey, guess what? Those are the easiest ones to outsource. If you are doing something that is a logical, progressive process, it's very easy to have somebody in India or China or Taiwan do that at 3 a.m. in the morning while we're sleeping. Those are the easiest things to outsource, but the things that involve right brain skills, relationships, connection, those cannot be outsourced. Now, how could you possibly transition so that you make yourself indispensable? Because here's the thing, you're very vulnerable if you are in a position that uses left brain skills, you're very vulnerable. How do you make yourself indispensable? Well, let's use that as an example. If you are a physician, you're using left brain skills. You look at the data, make a recommendation, read the lab reports, whatever, left brain skills. What if instead of taking 30 seconds with a patient, you took five minutes and you said, wow, Sally, the last time you were in here, your little boy, who's I think was a fifth grader, was having some trouble in school. How's he doing now? You know, as I recall, you had a dog named Spot. Now, can you imagine a physician doing that? But guess what just happened? All of a sudden, that physician is introducing right brain skills. How likely is it that Sally is going to change providers? I just yesterday went to see a new physician. I've had the same physician for 25 years. Great guy, blah, blah, blah. But trust me, he, I mean, we're friends, but he is a left brain guy in terms of approaching my health. Something's wrong. Here's a prescription. Let's go in there and kill something. See if you get better. Well, I've had some interesting challenges this spring, kind of a compilation of things. And yesterday I went to see a doctor who's much more holistic. My goodness, I could not believe the questions he asked me about what I think, what I eat, what about my relationships, what kind of extracurricular things do I do, what is a typical day like for me? I've never had those asked of me by a physician, but it took us in a totally different direction in terms of potential cures for some things I've been dealing with as well. And I love that. Anyway, here is the question. 
Dan, I think I'm surrounded by left brain people. Every time I tell people my plans to leave corporate America and be a solopreneur, they tell me I'm crazy that I need to grow up because I have a mortgage and pets to care for. I'm really fed up with where I am right now. I need a change. Am I kidding myself? Yeah, you're kidding yourself. Listen to this. I know this is what you're hearing. People say I'm crazy. Doing what I'm doing. Well, they give me all kinds of warnings. To save me from ruin. Man, I love some of the lyrics in there. People say I'm crazy, dreaming my life away. You know, if somebody looks at me, if they watch me in the morning, and I'm reading the latest issue of Success Magazine, or I'm taking a walk out through the woods here with my granddaughter, they're going to think, Dan, when are you going to start working? When does your workday start? But you know what? Those are components of my workday. Those are not just diversions. I get paid well to think and dream and, and by encouraging other people to do the same. Now, what are you hearing when you're hearing this from your coworkers, every time I tell people my plans to leave corporate America, be a solopreneur, they tell me I'm crazy. I need to grow up because I have a mortgage and pets to care for. I'm really fed up with where I am right now and I need, want a change. Am I kidding myself? No, you're not. But you're listening to people who don't believe they could do what you want to do. If you really describe to somebody there that you want to go out on your own, you want to be a solopreneur and you want to increase your income, you, you expect to increase your income from 50,000 to $150,000 and you're going to have a, an online business where you're going to work four hours a day and you're going to have more free time. You're going to spend fewer hours working and triple your income. People say, you got to be kidding me. That can't be done. What are they telling you? They're telling you they haven't been able to do that. That's all it is. I mean, when, when you talk to a musician and you say, man, I'm writing lyrics, you know, I'm playing at a couple little coffee houses. I really, you know, expect to be the next uh, Keith Urban. And they say, you can't do that. Keith was just lucky. He came from Australia. He married Nicole Kidman. Man, there's no way in the world. You know, it can't be done. You know what they're telling you? They haven't been able to do it. You talk to an artist and you say, wow, you know, I want my art to hang in the finest galleries in the country. I want my average piece to sell for $10,000. 
and they say, you got to be dreaming. You know, there's all kinds of us who have talent. A lot of us are as talented as you are. That can't be done. What are they telling you? They haven't been able to do that. I mean, when I talk to writers, they say, you got to be kidding me. You're writing another book. I mean, the publishing industry is going up in smoke as we speak. Publishers are closing every day. This online digital word has destroyed publishing. Nobody pays for books anymore. Why would you waste your time? How are you kidding yourself thinking you're going to make a million dollars when wisdom meets passion comes out in August? What are they telling me? They probably are frustrated because they made $5,000 in the last book they struggled with and delivered. Put it out there and, you know, barely covered their cost of printing. Probably still have a garage full of books. They can't get it. That's all they're telling me. That doesn't deter me. Don't listen to people who haven't been able to do it. Talk to people who have been able to do it. So the people that you're hearing, you find some solopreneurs out there. You find some people who did leave corporate America. Those are the ones you want to connect with. You know, my buddy, Chris Gilbu just released a brand new book. I got an advanced copy this morning. It is titled, let me stretch here. I'll, I'll grab it. It's titled the hundred dollar startup. Chris Gilbu is the author. Young guy who wrote a book a couple years ago called the art of nonconformity. This is a new one. Reinvent the way you make a living, do what you love and create a new future. I've just started in it. Just read about 10 pages in it but it's just delightful. And it talks about exactly this. These are people who didn't leave corporate America, many not by choice. They're what we call accidental entrepreneurs, but nonetheless, they have knocked it out of the park because of what they're doing outside of corporate America. Now this is not an either or kind of thing. I'm not saying corporate America is bad, but I'm saying if you're frustrated there, don't for a minute think that you are limited in your options because that's where your experience is. And nobody outside of that can be successful. Absolutely not. Now, can people be successful inside corporate America? Sure, absolutely. But if your desire is to be outside of that, does that limit you? No, not a chance. So spend time around people. Now, this is one of the key characteristics of highly successful people. They spend time with people who are already performing at the level at which they want to perform. That's simple to understand. And there's an old Jim Rohn statement that says we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So if, if you are spending people that are not the kind of people you want to be, you need to start spending some time with people who are the kind of people you want to be, because then you can become the average of those five. I mean, that's, that's a pretty exciting thing. That doesn't mean that you can't help people who are struggling and serve others and all that. Don't give me that crap. You know, I hear that. Well, gee, Dan, you know, you're just snobbish. You're going to spend all your time with high achievers. Well, I spend a lot of time with high achievers because those are the people that I do want to be like. Then you have the resources, the emotional strength to serve those who really need it. You serve best out of a full cup, not an empty cup. So don't apologize for being successful. Get yourself together. Get around people who are high achievers. Increase your own success. You will be more able to serve in a broader scope and leave a bigger legacy. 
Well, I'm going to switch to some coaching questions here. We've got a lot of these and I'm going to just go through as many as I possibly can. We've got about 10 minutes left. I'm just going to blitz through as many of these. I'll abbreviate them and go through as many as I can. Sandy from New York says, how do you handle errors and omissions insurance for coaching? What are the liability issues? Don't make that your focus. Just get started coaching. Coaching is not a high liability profession because it is so new and kind of elusive. There are not errors and omissions insurance plans available. Errors and omissions you have, if you're an attorney or an engineer or an accountant, you know, architect, if you make a mistake, you have insurance to give it. There's not that available. Don't worry about it. I, th- this is not a high liability issue. I mean, he- here's the deal. Insurance companies take a very negative approach to anything. Obviously that's what they get paid to do. That's how they create companies. They look at being an author like this. Wow, Dan, somebody could read 48 days to the work you love, realize they're in a job that stinks and they decide to quit. Six months later, they're bankrupt and they decide to go jump off a bridge. And the widow comes around and says, he read that Dan Miller book. I'm going to sue Dan Miller. Now, now, could that theoretically happen? Yes, it could. Do I lay awake at night worrying about that? No, I don't. Has there ever been anything remotely like that in 25 years of writing, coaching people in this arena that I've had to contend with? No, I'm going to go on those odds and just move forward. So there really isn't, again, the short answer is don't worry about errors, no missions. There's nothing available. Just start coaching, changing people's lives and changing your own as well. Bill from uh, Cimarron, I'm going to name where that is, says in coaching, would you price one on one personal contact and diff- different rate from a co- phone conference? Considering the fact that advice in one media engenders different dynamics. No. Now, if you're, if you're talking about counseling, I encourage that to be done face to face. There are too many dynamics in that, that I think are left out of just hearing somebody's voice and coaching. You know, I'm already working with people who are well on the way to success. They're high achievers. It's a different kind of process. No, I certainly don't have different pricing. Most of my coaching is done via the phone, but it's exactly the same whether you're sitting here in my office in Franklin, Tennessee, or if you're in Seattle, Washington. Katina says, I feel like I possess wisdom in several areas, but maybe not truly an expert in any of them. Would that potentially hinder my marketability as a coach? Katina, the thing that makes an effective coach is not being an expert. It's not that you're an instant real life version of Google. No, we we can get answers to anything that come up. It's that you are able to ask probing questions. You're able to move somebody along in what's right under their nose. You don't have to be an expert in, in everything or anything to be an effective coach. Now, certainly your own work experience ought to give you a depth of knowledge and access to perhaps particular areas of expertise, but the, the ability to be a good coach does not imply that you're an, an expert in a particular area that you know everything. I mean, I love helping people think about new creative entrepreneurial businesses. Now, when somebody asked me about, I just had somebody ask, oh, I know what it was. I'm working with a client right now. He really wants to start an online coffee business. Man, I am so excited. He has laid it out. He's done a really great business plan about that. And I'm helping him move through 
the details on this. Now you're, you're listening to a guy who has never had a cup of coffee in his life. Yes, you heard that right. I have never had a cup of coffee. This is not some, you know, exotic, religious, fanatical thing or health issue, anything. I, it, it just has never been appealing to me. I mean, my kids drink coffee. My mom and dad drink coffee. I just personally enjoy it as well. We just grew up. It's never been appealing. We enjoy the smell of it even, but I've never had a cup of coffee. So what am I doing coaching a guy starting a coffee business? Well, that doesn't matter. Uh, we're talking about the business issues. The specifics happen to be coffee. That's cool. So I, I don't make any bones about that. I'm loving working with him on developing his coffee business as a non-coffee drinker. Brian says, what's a good hourly rate to charge in coaching? Well, I don't like hourly rates in coaching. And here's why. If you are charging hourly, there's a built-in conflict instantly. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast, I think I've mentioned this before. So I apologize for the repetition. But if you're, if you're new and to answer this question, I'll just answer it quickly. There's a built-in conflict if you're charging people hourly for your coaching. Here's why. If I'm charging you, let's say I'm charging $100 an hour, you come in and I ask you, gee, how are the kids? Gee, did you catch that ball game last night? Um, you know, what do you think is going to happen with the political elections that are coming up? I mean, it's, it's developing rapport and trust, but depending on your personality, you're sitting there thinking, geez, I don't want to waste time talking about chit chat and these things that don't have any real relationship to the issue I want to discuss. I want to get to the point. So you're thinking, I want 15 minutes of really solid, specialized information here from Dan, and I'll pay him 25 bucks and I'm out of here. What do I think as a coach? Gee, I don't have anything else scheduled the rest of the morning here. I'd really like to extend this to three hours. So I charge this guy for three hours rather than one. There's just a built-in conflict. Now, I've really exaggerated it, obviously. If you agree in an hour, then it ought to be good for both parties. But I think there's a built-in conflict. I don't like that. I like having a process identified, all right? Or even a monthly retainer. You know, $500 a month, we're going to talk twice for 30 minutes on the phone. You can email me as much as you want. Boom, you know, and every six months we'll get together in person for two hours, and structured in a way where there's a process, an ongoing thing that takes the pressure off having to identify, wow, did I get my 60 minutes worth? It just works poorly on both sides. So I do not like hourly rates. Now, if you, if you force me into that, coaches tend to be between 50 and $200 an hour. Ooh, ouch. I hate to even say that. Okay. Tom says, what are the primary means of marketing for coaching? How much time does it take to get up to a net income before taxes of say $6,000 a month? Now, again, these questions relate to anything you're doing. It doesn't have to be just coaching. These just happen to be, we're getting a rash of coaching questions as leading up to the coaching with excellence live event here on May the 24th and 25th. Again, you can check out all the details on that. Just go to the 48 days.com link the site and click on live events and you'll see the details for that event where we can spend two days together here, get to know each other. And we give you all the tools you need, including the coaching one oh one. where if you go through that, submit your competency overview. We then, if I approve it, endorse you as a 48 days coach. So then you're a candidate to get referrals from us as well. So Tom says, what are the primary means of marketing? How much time does it take to get up to a net income before taxes of say $6,000 a month? 
I don't know. If you have processes like I just suggest, let's say that you have a process and you call it personal mastery and it's $2,000. Usually takes place over two or three months. You engage four clients a month, you're done. You're going to be there. You're already over $6,000 a month. So it has to do with how you price your packages, what kind of a clientele you're going to target, but you ought to be able to back into it. Just do the math on what it would take in order for you to get to $6,000 a month. Now, if you're going to charge $20 an hour and you're going to work in that way and you're going to work with the underserved, you're going to work with welfare to work, you know, people who are just coming off welfare and want a job, you're going to have a hard time. It's going to take you a long time to get to $6,000 net. So you just, you identify where you want to be and then you back into it with a realistic business plan. Greg from Franklin says, what's the most efficient process to identify a standard fee for coaching? Well, let me skip that one. I already kind of addressed that. Kate says, Dan, how do your methods apply to a very specialized areas of coaching, such as stock trading? It doesn't matter. The coaching dynamics and principles are going to be the same. I mean, we have people who are parenting coaches who coach people with ADHD, people who are health and fitness coaches, sports coaches, diabetes coaches, relationship coaches, marriage coaches, parenting, career, life. I mean, the list just goes on and on. The dynamics and principles of coaching are the same. You can choose any area of specialty you want if you want to use stock trading you can certainly do that. Not a problem at all. Well, again, this is Dan Miller, 48 Days Online Radio. Each week, we spend 48 minutes going through your questions, dissecting ways that we can make more success for ourselves in the work that we are doing, that we're finding or creating. And we know you want to do the same. If you've got a question you want to submit, just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, be happy to entertain your question here as well. Just a couple more here in the remaining time we've got. Dan says, what suggestions do you have for meeting clients when you do not have an official office space? I struggle with managing a professional atmosphere. Two things real easily. Look for executive office suites. Now, what those usually mean is it's shared space. So you may pay $200 a month and you have access to a really killer office. Now, not yours for the entire time, but you may schedule it for five hours a week for your coaching sessions. I did that initially. I had access to a meeting room, very professional, very professional receptionist up front. They handled phone calls and everything, and it was a very minimal kind of fee. So you can do that. And there are programs like that in any city anywhere. The other thing is, as I moved out of a very professional office, I had an office in Brentwood, Tennessee for seven years before I moved out here to the property we have in Franklin, but I had offices in what is called the Moreland Mansion. It's the centerpiece of what is a big office complex now, but it's the original plantation house called the Moreland Mansion. It was supposedly... Uh, inhabited by ghosts. That's a, that's a story for another day. We had some really interesting stories based on that, but it was a beautiful, beautiful office space. I had the first floor. Every room had 14 foot ceilings. Every room had a chandelier and fireplace, gorgeous offices. That's where I was seeing people when I really built my coaching practice. And in doing so, I was seeing attorneys, physicians, accountants, and so on high achieving 
people and that is the environment in which I was seeing them. Then we bought our property out here in Franklin and a couple of times with people who are already established, I said, why don't you just meet me out at the house? It's more convenient. Just meet me out here. So I was sitting in a bedroom in our house, just a little bedroom that I just put a desk and a couple chairs in with an attorney client of mine. And I said, does this seem unprofessional to you? Does it lessen your feeling of my credibility because you're meeting me out here at my house? And he was like, oh my gosh, this is everybody's dream. He said, I would love to work in an environment like this. He said, all it does is make me want more quickly to be able to change my own environment, seeing you work in a setting like this. I thought, Ooh, that's interesting. I subleased the office space that I had. I subbed it to a guy that had just sold an auto auction company for a billion dollars. So I subbed my very fancy offices to him for the remaining term of my lease and just started seeing people in my house immediately. Well, I did that for about three years before we bought the property behind us that has the old barn on it that we rehabbed that is now the sanctuary and now has the office where I see clients. But in that interim, even while I was well engaged in personal coaching, I saw people just in my house. You can do that. I mean, if you're a good coach, people can meet you in very informal settings, but you can either have an executive office that you are just contracting for small amounts of time in or see them at your house. People don't see that as unprofessional. And again, as opposed to counseling, where I would not encourage you to just see people at your house, coaching is much different. I coach clients. It's not, gee, that you can't see into my personal life. Now we share our lives together, become friends, do things the rest of our lives together. That's the way it is. Well, golly, where are we here? We're out of time. That's where we are. Again, thanks for being part of the 48 Days community. We've got a really vibrant community at 48days.net. Over 11,000 strong now people who are taking action on their dreams, putting legs in their ideas. You feel free to join in that group. You'll get more advice and help there than I can possibly give you. And snippets here doing this weekly. But thanks for being part of this community where we are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Have a wonderful week on your own path to that success.